Welcome to the Mainly Eminem podcast in association with EPRO. On today's show, we are celebrating the 10-year anniversary of the Marshall Mathers LP2. Released in 2013 as a follow-up to his groundbreaking 2000 album, The Marshall Mathers LP, this highly anticipated project once again showcases Eminem's lyrical power. With its blend of old-school rock production, Sprinkled with futuristic beats and razor-sharp wordplay, the Marshall Mathers LP2 solidifies Eminem's status as one of the most influential and controversial artists of all times. Uh, Join us as we review the tracks, dissect the themes, and uncover the journey that awaits within this iconic album. Uh, Join me today, as ever, we have Blake and Ross, and my name is Danny. First of all, we are going to discuss some of the stats and info on the album. So it was released on the 5th of February 2013, under the Shady, Aftermath and Interscope labels. Producers on the album, uh, we have a total of 18, uh, which we will dissect uh, further into the the review. Uh, The main executive producers on the project were none other than Dr Dre and Rick Rubin. Features on the album, uh, we had Skylar Grey, we have Rihanna, Kendrick Lamar, Nate Roos, Jamie N. Commons, Sia and X Ambassadors. The singles from the album were the likes of Berserk, Survival, Rap God, The Monster and Headlights. The commercial performance of the album debuted at number one on the Hot 100 uh, with 292,000 sales in its first week. On the second week it dropped down to second place uh, but it was a strong second week sales with 210,000. And then on the third week, it bounced back up to number one with 120,000 sales. Now, it sold 1.7 million copies in the USA in 2013. And you have to remember that this was released, of course, in February. So that was, you know, not even two full months of, of sales. So quite impressive. Uh, elsewhere around the world, the album reached number one in over 24 countries, including the likes of UK, Canada and Australia. Billboard magazine ranked it as the 16th best album of 2013. Again, only came out sort of towards the end of the year, so impressive position for that. And as it stands at the moment, it is four times platinum certified with the RIAA. So how we're going to do this is we're all going to go through uh, all the tracks from the album, discuss you know a little bit of the backstory behind them and the producers of, of the, the album itself. So Ross, if you would like to start off with uh, your first segment. Yes, yeah, so obviously the album is a, a sequel to the Marshall Mathers LP, like you mentioned. Um, again, the first, the way this sort of uh, album comes across to me is it is very much like the, the Marshall Mathers LP. Uh, but he he was obviously done done it very carefully, not to sort of completely copy what he did back then. Like, there's a couple of examples where he like flips it up, and the first one obviously being Bad Guy, which everyone now knows is a stand sequel. But that song is seven minutes and fourteen seconds long, so it's pretty hefty for an intro. Um, it's produced by well, the part one's produced by S1 and M Phases, and then part two is produced by Street Runner and Vincent Vendito. Vendito. Yeah, like I said, it's a it's a stand sequel, so it it follows the story of Matthew Mitchell's all grown up now. He's come to seek obviously vengeance on Eminem for what happened to Stan in in the first song, but uh, it's, it's it's quite good. I really enjoy. It. I think it's aged really well. Um, I think a lot of people have gone back to it and thought, I can't believe he's done a second version, and it's kind of gone under the radar a little bit. I think mm-hmm. twenty thirteen was sort of the era where I think like streaming was was like relatively new. You could go on iTunes and buy an album instead of you know, having to go to a shop and buy it. So, yeah, it, it did quite well considering, but I think it's probably one of my personal favourites on the album. Like, this is a good example that you can do sequels really well and also be quite tasteful in how, how they come across to yeah, the audience, I guess. Um, the chorus is sung by uh, Sarah Jaff, which I think her name is. Um, it's J-A-F-F-E, so sorry if I butchered that. But, uh, yeah, it's probably one of the few features that they've done together. I think she's got back, uh, record vocals and, you know, backing vocals on her sort of genius page. but for a couple of songs but yeah she's not done anything major from this i don't think um this is again like i said the sequel to the Marshall mathers lp and i think when if you go on the sort of the genius page for this song uh you can see him talking with zane Lowe about like mm-hmm. yeah 
the first time he was writing thought thought he was going to do a sequel was the main theme he wanted was all the shit he said in the first first side like the first album to come back and chase like chase him up uh yeah so the the second bit the second song on the album or track i guess if you want to call it that is actually a skit it's the parking lot skit this actually carries on from criminal uh back when he robs the shop where he gets told to only go in there and rob the shop and instead he obviously shoots the woman behind the counter and says thank you as he runs off and it continues into the rest of the song this is a direct continuation of that and it sort of follows him trying to get away he yeah he manages to escape the car breaks down a little bit and then everything catches up on him it's still quite grim in the sense i think you hear him shoot a dog so it's a bit like oh god okay yeah it's a bit like he's definitely following the theme of the first one but there's not really a lot to say about that it is just a skit in the end of the day it's another one of many that he's done uh this second song again is probably one of my favorite well yeah probably one of my favorites is rhyme or reason uh again like i said personal favorite this song i i first heard the original which is by the zombies um it's called time of the season first time i heard it it's amazing and the first time i actually heard it was when i was younger i was watching shanghai nights with jackie chan and uh owen wilson and there's a bit where they like crash a cart and he's in this car with all these women around him it's this song playing so when i remember this album coming out and hearing that sample i was like oh my god he's just completely hit a memory that i completely forgot i even had so (laughs) again i really enjoy this song uh the producing sort of credits go to rick rubin and eminem on this song um so rick rubin obviously appears a couple times on this album i think i know he was heavily involved uh but i think this song has aged really well it's a bit different if you don't want to just hear his sort of aggressive or sort of i guess um i guess loopy beats this one again is just a little bit more relaxed and it's he's flipped the script instead of going for his mum he's gone for his dad on this one uh which is again yeah. a common theme on this album but the 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 next song i've got after that um is so much better i don't this song I haven't really paid a lot of attention to. It kind of went over my head when I was younger. Obviously, 10 years ago, I would have been like 15 um, when this album came out. So, yeah, it, like I said, it just sort of went over my head a little bit. Um, I've gone back to it, listened to it. I enjoy it. It's produced by Eminem and someone called Resto. Um, and it, I actually think that the the track is actually a modified version to the one that's used on Criminal. So, again, he's he's referencing the first album quite well. But not really a lot to say on this one. It sounds a little bit like puke, the way he sort of um, you know splits the words yeah. into, and like he's got that whiny flow. I was going to say because like, do you think that this track was aimed at anyone in particular? Uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if it's because he was trying to follow the theme of the previous album. So it would make sense if he did have someone to to sort of aim it at. But to memory, I don't think he did. I think it's just again uh, a bit of a playful sort of you know typical eminem um mm-hmm. broken relationship love the way you lie sort of deal but it's quite funny that he mentions a few popular artists that are still sort of going off today like drake um he says you never told me that you knew drake and lupe that's quite funny um that's right yeah but yeah again it's not one of my favorites so not a lot to say but it, it probably will would grow on me if i listened to it enough but i just don't tend to go back to it but again i'm not saying it's an awful song it's just not one of my sort of go-tos but the one i've got after that is then survival so this is one of the the singles from the album um it actually was debuted for a call of duty trailer for call of duty ghosts um again he actually then released a music video later on which featured a lot of footage from the game but this is just one of many sort of features he's done with call of duty or collaborations yeah. i think he's done till i collapse was on the modern warfare 2 trailer um won't back down was in black ops zombies and then obviously the modern warfare 3 trailer that's just released they also used um till i collapse again so which is quite cool um yeah, this one is produced by, I've got it written down here, it's produced by DJ Khalil. Um, it's oh, right, very yeah. like heavy rock rap, it, like heavy rock rap, um, quite aggressive, I, I, but I like how it sounds on this. It definitely sounds like Till I Collapse. You can hear him almost spitting on the microphone, which I find quite funny, but uh, yeah, probably one of my favourites. Um, the vocals are done by Liz Rodriguez, um, and like I said, yeah, right. produced by DJ Khalil. She was quite a... Uh... She's done a few features with Eminem round about mm. that year. I think she was involved in the Healthy Sequel album as well. Um, okay. Echo, Echo coming to mind as, as one of them, and I'm sure there's another one. Um, but I think she actually uh, went on tour with Eminem, um, and she was sort of doing sort of backing tracks to like Stan as well. So I think okay. there was like um, DJ Khalil mm. and Liz Rodriguez are part of the same sort of band or sort of management. So okay. yeah, Brilliant. there was. Uh, any time that the, the DJ Khalil was sort of uh, 
featured as a producer. Um, Liz Rodriguez usually is sort of round about some of those tracks. I think this song as well is one of the the few on in, in more recent years. It's gone quite viral. I think like with streaming now and and sales, it's, I think it's like two times platinum in the US. Um, mm-hmm. It is still only it is still silver in the UK, but I think that will obviously include people going back directly to this song and just streaming the single, not the one from the album. I don't know if that affects how the song sells, but yeah, I think that's quite good. Two times pl- like two times platinum is pretty crazy. Yeah, it's impressive. Um, but yeah, this is probably like I said one of my one of my favourites off the album. I like the fact that you got the collaboration with Call of Duty. It kind of almost fits into the theme of recovery as well. The he's back and he's ready to sort of get everyone by the throat. So yeah, another one I really enjoy. And then. Uh, following that, I've got Legacy, which is also featuring a Russian singer called Polina. Um, mm-hmm. It's produced by Emil, and uh, it reflects on his past and what gave him the motivation to, like, sort of, I guess, change how you know his life was going. He kind of stopped being a victim and decided, no, you're going to kind of listen to me now. I found something I'm pretty good at. I-, I think this is probably one of the standouts on the album too. Um, it's got a very different sound. It's kind of self-aware, but also at the same time, it's not too like, look at me and feel sorry for me. He's kind of gloating a little bit, which I really enjoy. But yeah, again, I, my girlfriend also likes this one quite a lot. So this is one I hear quite often. It's all yeah. in heavy rotation. But um, yeah, currently the song sits at gold. Again, just for a song off the album is pretty good. With that one, don't you think the first two verses sounds like he's listening to old tapes of himself? Yeah. It, like, yeah it's... With how it's distorted. Like he's in a rainy conservatory. Like you can, like it sounds like it's quite gritty, and then you almost so hear reminiscent. it change. Yeah, it's like he's like a, leaving a room, um, and almost getting a breath of fresh air. So yeah, it's a good point as well. But the, then after that, I've got Arsehole with Skylar Grey, which is one of their many features, many collaborations they've done. It's a weird listen for me because there's not really a a, a major rhythm to the beat. It's pretty simple. It's just sort of drums, but it it goes really well. And Eminem kind of goes off on this as well. It's probably one of his more lyrically complex songs on this album um it's produced by alex the kid and eminem um and it's kind of playing off the backlash of marshall mathers lp1 so um but yeah not a lot to say on that one there wasn't a great deal i could find online other than the fact that this one was one of the earlier songs that skylar gray and eminem did not uh, not long ago she sort of didn't realize that they'd done it she kind of forgotten and kind of went Mm -hmm. oh god when you look at how many songs we've done we've done quite a few together but you know it's not everyone's cup of tea but you know, it's not a skip. I'm not going to sit there and say, like I yeah. said, it's an awful song. It's just not my go-to, probably. Just go back to the track Survival, um, because mm-hmm. Eminem done a, a UK tour around about August, just a couple of months before the, the album dropped. Mm. And I, w- I went to see him in Glasgow, and that he opened um, his show with that track. That's so cool. only so- maybe been out a couple, maybe weeks at that point. Yeah, because I think it debuted with the Call of Duty trailer, which was in August. Um, yeah. Obviously, they go for like the, the autumn release, too. So... Yeah, that you must have seen that probably fresh out of the, fresh out of the release. Yeah, it was cool. good to see because I didn't. It was one of those ones where, yeah, it literally dropped, and then two weeks later he performed Glasgow. Then I think he done Reading, Reading, and Leeds as well. So that was nice. good to hear, sort of fresh. Uh, I just want to go also the Liz Rodriguez. Yeah. Because it was playing in the back of my mind. Um, she's also featured on Almost Famous uh, from Recovery, and that's, she is that's also. Uh, does anyone know what the other uh, feature that she was uh, involved in? It was an album from a couple of years back. Oh, what re- more like more recently? Like it's not going to be like music revival. revival. Oh, okay. What's she doing? Revival. Castle. Is it? Oh, okay. That uh, is her. Nice. So she. They have done a couple then. I should really fact fact check it more properly, but I, I think I think she is she is featured in Castle. I'm sure it's her, mm. uh, and I think that song is also produced by uh, DJ Khaleel as well. So, yeah, she's done quite a few, and a lot of them have been very good tracks. Um, I just want to also go to uh, the first track as well, "Bad Guy." Now, that this, you know, the story behind that basically came true just a couple of years ago, didn't it? Oh yeah, I was actually gonna touch on that but for you know it was uh, when i read it online um it, obviously there is a little bit of a stretch in the sense that like he nearly would have been the same age around the time he broke in but he tried someone tried to break in in 2019 uh his first name was matthew i don't think the second name was obviously mitchell's but um mm-hmm. yeah he did try to break in in 2019 and then in 2020 he was successful and yeah he was arrested for, for breaking and entering saying that he was there to, to kill Eminem, apparently. So that's quite scary. It's very creepy, considering that it almost matches just about how mm. how he entered the house in Bad Guy to how he actually entered the house. Yeah, with so a was, knife and everything as well. It was mm, weird. Yeah, it was weird stuff. But um, no, that was great. That was a good start to the album. That was uh, tracks one, 
two seven it was yeah so yeah. um blake is gonna go from tracks eight um and start off with berserk yeah so berserk again another single off the album it was produced by rick rubin obviously you know again <laughs> he's uh producing here and off the majority of this album uh, he was actually in the music video i don't know about you boys but when this music video came out i remember i remember it coming out i was in school at the time and me and my mates we were absolutely gassed you know, like the little slow-mo where he's walking up to that massive boom box. Obviously, you've got to get the product placement in with his G-Shock watch. <laughs> but, you know, I absolutely love this track when it came out. You know, obviously the main... I mean, I got it straight away, but once I actually read in what the samples were, uh, one of the main samples is the Beastie Boys' Fight For You Right. And obviously, it's also sampled... Um, is it Billy Squires or Squeers? Uh, the song's called yeah, The Stroke. Billy Squire. Um Again, I didn't know that, but when you when you actually go and listen to it, you're like, oh yeah, I I, I know exactly which bit that's been uh, produced from. Uh, the song actually debuted number three on the um, Hot 100 Billboards. It, it's it's actually incredible because the actual start of the song, Eminem's doing an impression of one of the Beastie Boys. So that's right, yeah. It it just goes to show like how invested he is, and you know, the samples he's using, and obviously what he grew up listening to. And I like the little rock rock rap style feel of the song. I think the chorus is, to be fair, this is one of my favourite songs off the album. I think it's absolutely incredible. You know, first week down, like digital downloads, did over 360,000 downloads in the US. Mm. And it actually became his 15th top 10 hit um, for the top 100. You know, it was number one in the UK. It was nominated for a Grammy, but it, didn't unfortunately it didn't win it, it but it did win a uh, Detroit Music Award. Like I say, there, there isn't really too much else to say about it. It was a brilliant, you know, first single to release for the album. I thought the music video was great. You had Kid Rock in there. Obviously, Kendrick Lamar turned up for a little segment of it. Again, absolutely brilliant. Straight after that, you've got Rap God. Now, at the time, it didn't really do mega successful when it first came out it was more so after you know once people like really got to grips with the supersonic verse and everything like that you know yeah. as we all know it broke the world record for the most uh words used in uh, a hit single it was nominated for a grammy but it actually lost to uh the track i by kendrick lamar uh, that's fair enough, to be fair Oh yeah, you, to be fair, you can't gumble at that. I mean, that. Put your hands up for that, gun. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is incredible. But like I say, I mean, for, for me with Rap God, it seems like it was more so six months after it really became a hit. Yeah, because I think it was probably when it was, the music video dropped. Probably when it became obviously it was featured in the album when it came out in November. But it was probably a few weeks or a few months when it was officially released as a single. Didn't, sorry, I was just going to say, he, he also performed it at the YouTube Awards, and I think when people saw him doing it live, like the, the crowd obviously went a bit nuts. So I think, like you said, Blake, it wasn't necessarily like uh, sort of picked up on at first, but as soon as people started seeing him do it live, it was a bit like, okay, hang on a minute. Again, there isn't really much to cover, which people don't already know. I mean, it, it debuted number five in the UK. It didn't take long for it to get to number one, but it, at the same time, it did take, I think, a couple of weeks for it to hit number one. Another fact about it is that it actually overtook Lil Wayne, um, making it a seventh digital top ten album, and it actually got 272,000 um, downloads in its first week. Decent. Yeah, the, the music video, again, like Ross just said, once the music video came out, you know, that's when it blew up. At the minute, it's currently sat on 1.3 billion views. <laughs> Again, you know, the, the fast verse averages 6.1 words a second. And uh, do, you want to, do, you, do you want to grab a pen, boys? Because I've got all the names that he references on the track. Yeah, go for it. Obviously, you've got the beef between um, Fabulous and Ray J. You've got Heavy D and the boys. Uh, it, you know, the actual, where he says, Luke's coming at you supersonic speed, that's reference to JJ Fad's 1988 song called Supersonic. References Tupac, Run DMC, Rakim, all the members of NWA, so Easy, Dr. Dre, Yeller, MC, Ren, Ice Cube. Uh, you've got Buster Rhymes, you've got um, Lakeem Shabazz, and he also references a 2008 song uh, called Looking Boy, hence the bit where it goes, hey, looking boy, what you say, looking boy? That's right, aye, so it does, so it did. Following that, you've got Brainless. Uh, I've got to be honest, this is a skippable track for me. Uh, you know, it doesn't really hold hold high yeah. for me. 
from what I've heard and from what I've read, it was meant to be like an old school type of track. He wanted it to be again, again like a very throwback song, but I, I just I, I really don't enjoy it. You know, it it talks about how he was bullied back in the day and you know how he struggles with fame at that stage of his career and. Again, it's just one of those songs. I think it was on there for the sake of filling a little gap in between songs. There isn't really much for me to talk about it just because it's one of those songs where I lose interest in it. I don't know how you boys feel about it, but for me, it's just I, I, I can't get on board with this song. Yeah, it's it's okay. It's I mean, I suppose the sort of the hooks you could say is a little bit catchy. Um, but yeah, it's not definitely not anywhere near the stronger songs from the it album. It is another one of his uh, famous songs for rhyming the word orange, apparently. Obviously, he does rhyme that with the uh, four-inch door hinge, all that stuff. He does that again on Brainless, so <laughs> I can see why you might pass on it, but I do enjoy the first verse, but other than that, I can see why you'd skip it, to be fair. Again, <laughs> you're going to think I'm going to get through a lot of these, but again, the next song's stronger than I was. I, I'm not Compared to Brainless, I do like it a little bit more, but I'm not a huge lover of it. I do like the references to obviously 97 Bonnie and Clyde and but from what I can grasp of it it is a, almost a little bit of an apology when he does so, start referencing those that song um, I did read online though I wanted to get your boys take on it apparently there's moments where he references a little bit of a love interest with Rihanna mm, Okay. I can't see it personally but apparently there's a fair few people which say um, part of the verse, if you actually listen to what he's saying, he's actually talking about Rihanna. Apparently they had a love interest with each other, which wouldn't surprise me, but I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know whether you boys have obviously listened to this a bit more than I have, but I can't see it. I don't know if you boys can. Nothing that sort of stands out from... I'll maybe obviously have to give it a, a couple more listens again to see if I can sort of find any Easter eggs, but I think there was rumours in the press that between sort of 2010 and 2013 there was a possible fling between the two of them going on so I wouldn't be surprised if if, if it was aimed at or, or whatever but interesting. I mean anyone listening if you know feel free to message one of us you know and try and explain that one to us because that has baffled me but yeah I can't see it again straight after that you've got the monster now I would argue this is definitely the biggest tr- um, single off this album you know, recently it's he's you know done a special edition vinyl press for his le- recent Halloween uh, release. The song was originally made by uh, is it Baby Rexer, BB Rexer? Yep, that's her. If you go on YouTube, you can still find the original edition. But do you boys know how well Rihanna jumping on the song actually came about? Uh, no. I was going to say if it was to do with uh, her being in Dublin, but I'm getting like, confused with. I think it's Love the Way You Lie because that was Skylar Grey that sort of wrote that. But nah. I'm not too clued up on the beginnings of the track. Obviously, Baby Rexa wrote that song. It was meant to be a song going on her album. Um, A couple little bit of mix-ups happened. And anyway, she knew the song was going to have Eminem on it regardless. So obviously Eminem's done his verses, laid them down, had a couple of instrumentals of his own. But Baby Rex actually, at the time, from what I've read, she got dropped by her by her label. And obviously, I think she sort of gave the song to Eminem to let him do what he wanted with it. And I think through his label and Sony, they ended up getting in contact with Rihanna because obviously how well loved the way you lied it. So, yeah. again, I, f- I think it was definitely the right decision for the song, having Rihanna on there. Oh, absolutely. I'm going to be a little bit controversial because uh, a few years after that, um, Baby Rex had joined Eminem on stage at Coachella and they performed it and I'm going to be honest, she didn't do a good job of it. I know she wrote it and sort of layered the sort of first stages of it, but yeah, thank God Rihanna picked it up because she enhanced the track much more than, than what uh, Baby Rexa could oh, do. 100%. I mean, the, the vocals and obviously the classic Rihanna sound, even in the music video, you could tell she brought a different energy to the music video. You know, I, again, yeah. like this album came out when I was in school, so in my canteen we had uh, big like 43-inch TVs on the wall. It was meant to give students something to focus on, you know, at dinner time, but we just kept grabbing the remote off the dinner lady and putting the music channel on. 
and uh you know the music video for this was on all the time all the time so yeah i, I like the contrast how it's you know going through eminem's whole career the only issue i have with the music video is he's going down why does he end up on a roof but again <laughs> you know what film it's based on uh no i don't so it's based on inception I'm pretty sure it's Inception, oh. uh, just with the ele- elevators going down. If it's not that, then it might be Shutter Island, but I'm, I'm sure it's Inception. Now you've said that, that sort of makes sense, because obviously nothing in that film makes sense, but... No, I that is true. I'm sure it was a film that Leonardo DiCaprio was in, and I'm, I'm almost positive it was sort of the video was based on the Inception film. Oh, very good. I'll have, to, uh, I'll have to watch the music video again on that one. Uh, again, back to the song success. It, de- it debuted number one in twelve different countries. It currently sits eight times platinum in the US, three times platinum in the UK, uh, five times platinum in Australia, and a whole other amount of countries. Uh, the actual first week sales, because I'm sure the single was released on a Tuesday, so obviously it's missed out on two important days of sales. That yeah. did seventy four k in its first week. Uh, the, the week after, enough. yeah, the week after it, it did ninety six k. A little fun fact about with Rihanna being on the song, she actually tied a record at the time, which was only held by Elvis and the Beatles in the UK, which was to have a number one record seven years in a row. So, again, oh. that that's a fantastic achievement in itself. Again, there's there's not really much more to say about that. It's it's one of them songs where. I think everything fell in line perfectly and its success was incredible. Yeah, without a doubt, agreed. So the next track is So Far. It was produced by Rick Rubin. Now, the actual verses, the chorus, is, to me, absolutely incredible. I love the choruses. You know, it sort of goes on about the pitfalls of fame, you know, and how stuff in his mind can go wrong. So, you know, he has perfect examples of he has a mansion, but in his mind it's not a mansion, it's just a house. He has a king-size bed, but, yeah. you know, he'd rather sleep on the couch, do you know what I mean? So it's like, even though he has all these luxurious items, to him, he'd rather have the bare minimum. And mm-hmm. it's almost like he sort of feels like he doesn't deserve all the things he has. You know, I mean, the the major uh, sample from this song is uh, Life's Been Good by Joe Walsh, uh, Joe Walsh. Legend. He's a legend. You know... It it doesn't take two seconds to realise that that's near enough what the whole song is sampled from. Yeah. To be fair, my favourite parts of this song is definitely when he, you know, throws a couple of throwback verses from I'm Back and Reveal Slim Shady, you know, where he talks about shoving the dead cat through someone's mailbox. You know, and, that's right. Uh, going to Burger King and the person spitting on his onion rings. Now, I view those little verses as how... Because obviously, if you go back to the course as well, he's going on like... There's a lot of things he has, or there's a lot of things he says, which can end up having a backfiring effect on his life. He's got all these good things, but at the same time, you know, karma works in both ways. You have good karma and bad karma. I feel like at that time when making this, he was there like, I've got all these luxurious things, so when's the bad karma going to start kicking in, and when's it all going to downhill go downhill from there? So, again, mm-hmm. it was a brilliant track, and it debuted number three in the US charts, which, considering it wasn't a single, it was just literally off the album, I think, that's impressive in itself. Yeah, that is really good. Straight after that, you've got Love Game. Now, the the main sample of this is from the 1965 hit called The Game of Love. The the main emphasis of the, of the track is Eminem and Kendrick Lamar talk about basically ex-lovers, you know, a girl that cheated on Eminem. Uh, Kendrick Lamar talks about a young seductress, I believe it is. I'm sure he also mentioned this uh, the same person on... Uh, is the track called A Good Kid or Good Kid? Good kid, yeah. Yeah, he mentions it on that. Now, Kendrick's actual involvement on this track was a complete, not accident, but very last minute. So I believe Kendrick was in Detroit for either one of his own projects or he was just in Detroit visiting. Eminem got wind and basically told him to get to the studio. I've got a song that I think you'd be good on. He got there, laid down what he did, and that was it. But I know... Ross will probably agree with me, and I know you'll probably agree with me as well, as much as many Eminem fans will. This, even though it isn't a terrible song, this isn't the best what Eminem and Kendrick could do. Mm. And I know over no, the last agreed. 10 years, fans have been dying and begging for another Eminem and Kendrick song. Again, whether or not that is going to come or not is a different story, but I know a lot of people would want a different type of Kendrick and Eminem's song. Yeah. 
what do you boys reckon? Yeah, I mean, I, I would 100% want another Kendrick Lamar and Eminem. I, I do know what you mean. It's not that it's a bad song. I think it's more that it's disappointing because of how well, I guess how it's aged as well. When people now grow up and I guess they now know Kendrick because he's gotten bigger or even Eminem, they might have grown to know Eminem's music a bit more and they go back and might realise, oh, I didn't know Eminem and Kendrick Lamar had a song together. If you click the song online, this is not what you'd expect to hear. But like I said, mm. that's yeah, not indeed. to say it's a bad song. It's just, again, it's a bit like when I, I think J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar, everyone's been waiting for them to do like a proper feature. J., uh, Kendrick Lamar was featured on J. Cole's Dreamville album, which was like uh, a collaboration album with all the people on his label. And all Kendrick did was like the same two lines as a hook. People were like, really? It's kind of like that bait and switch. Right, it? yeah. It's almost like clickbait. But I do I do get what Eminem was going for, but I do agree, Blake. It's it's not what we what we wanted. Yeah, I think yeah, they can do the the next track. I don't even know if there's ever going to be another track between the two of them, but I think it will be better than what Love Game is. I mean, it's for me, it's an okay track. It doesn't sort of light anything up in fire or anything, but um it is good to see you know, two of arguably the greatest rappers of all time on the same song. But yeah, I would like to see, you know, a different sort of approach in their next next track if they if they collaborate with each other to see what they could do because, you know, Kendrick has he's enhanced, he's he's grew so much as an artist since twenty thirteen. So it would be would be very interesting to see how, how a future track between the pair would, would be like. Yeah, like I said, I mean it it's not the worst song in the world. I mean Eminem did produce it himself, which was, you know, a nice change of pace for the album, but it's a lot of people will agree with me. I I mean it is greediness, you know, I'm I'm not gonna lie, it's just you know, you just want something that a little bit better and just like fill that little void in your brain. Because like when someone turns around yeah. to me and says, "Oh, you know, what would you want from like an Eminem Kendrick song?" I always forget that they have actually made Love Game. I always forget about it, and obviously that's not a good thing. But again, it is just greediness of wanting more. I think. Yeah. So no, that was a good, good in-depth review of the tracks that you covered there, Blake. Thanks for that. So after Love Game, we go over to track number fifteen. Sorry. So yeah. Track number 15 is Headlights and it is produced by Emil Haney, Jeff Basker and Eminem himself. It's Nate Ruse that is featured on the chorus of this track and he is from the band Fun. So the single was released on the 5th of February on 2014 and was accompanied of course with a music video. The track is basically about Eminem apologising to his mother Debbie Mathers after a long feud that you know has went on for quite some time, probably since you know the nineties when he started out. So yeah, he basically just says, you know, everything that's happened, I'm sorry, I forgive you, and I'll never ever perform cleaning out my closet at, at the shows. And he has been pretty much spot on with that that statement because since that song released, he has never performed cleaning out my closet. So track performance wise. Uh, the track debuted at number 45 on the Billboard Hot 100 and it also appeared in the Australian singles charts at number 21. So the next track and the final track from the standard edition is Evil Twin. Now that is produced by Sid Rome's and Eminem. And yeah, it's basically a sort of slim shady versus Eminem. You know, it's a lot of people are saying, is this a track that is... Eminem or is it a Slim Shady track but it is a little bit of sort of both of them. Uh, the song does have, it has its similarities to Criminal so on the closing track of Criminal on the Marshall Mathers LP Eminem states that he doesn't mean what he says in his lyrics uh, then proceeds to be offensive while on this track Eminem stops blaming those lyrics on Slim Shady and takes responsibility for those lyrics himself so yeah M also takes up the crusade that Kendrick Lamar started on control by stating that he plans to call out the rappers uh, that are copying the likes of Kanye West, Jay-Z, Lil Wayne and Drake. So yeah, it's one of his most sort of underrated tracks. A lot of the, the fan base, we've we done a sort of vote on our Twitter page recently stating what your sort of top three tracks from the album was and a lot of people did say Evil Twin. So yeah, it's a good track and uh, also for those that didn't know, Royce is in the hook as well, although it is a sample and it was the sample from Hell the Sequel and the track was The Reunion for those that remember that. 
So we'll now go over to the deluxe bonus tracks. Now this was something a little bit unfamiliar with Eminem while he dropped the album. The, the deluxe edition followed pretty much straight away. It was a bit different compared to Relapse Refill, which was released probably about six months after the release of the official album. And then most recently, with Music To Be Murdered by Side B, that dropped about six months later. So this was a little bit uh, different. He did release, I think it was five tracks uh, on this album uh, for the deluxe side of it. And we'll go into a little bit of detail from that as well. So the track is Baby, uh, which is produced by Eminem and Louis Resto. And it has, yeah, it has a little bit of a reminiscent, if he's, you guys would maybe agree, to taking my ball from Relapse Refill. Do you, can you see any similarities in sort of that, that track? Yeah, 100%, definitely. Do you know what? I was I was hoping you were going to mention that, because if not, I was. It, it is a brilliant track, though. Yeah, so um, the whole song is filled with a lot of dense rhyming schemes, and he, you know, he referenced a lot of, sort of pop culture references in it as well. He does reference the movie Dirty Dancing, where you know, the famous uh, Nobody Puts Baby in the Corner line comes from. And he also mentioned the Mighty Four, who is, of course, a major Marvel comic book character. So the track after that is Desperation. So there is a little bit of a backstory about this for, for those that maybe don't know much of this track. In February 2013... Uh, a good few months before the album dropped, uh, the Sun newspaper, which is you know, one of the leading newspapers in the UK, ran a story that Jamie and Commons was going to appear on the hook for Eminem's first official single, or the untitled album. So that sort of nothing really came of it straight away. You know that the newspaper predicted that the the single would be released in the summer of 2013 and of course that that never happened and it was survival that ended up becoming the sort of promo single from the album uh, there was a lot of people that expected the two of them to collaborate round about the time that Eminem appeared over in the UK for these shows and I think that is possibly how it, how the, the the song came about because it wasn't actually a sample. It was a brand new verse from Jamie in Commons. So we do think, obviously we don't know for sure, but possibly when Eminem was performing in Reading and Leeds, um, he, he met Jamie and the, the, the pair collaborated for that track. So uh, the, as I said, not much you can sort of digest fully on the track, but um, it is really good. It was produced by Alex the Kid, and both Alex the Kid and Jamie are both from Bristol, I believe. So, you know, there seems to be a good relationship between those two. And that's pretty much probably how the song came about. Uh, so the track after that is Groundhog Day, which is produced by Cardiac, Frank Jukes and Eminem. So, yeah, the track was based on Eminem's childhood in Detroit. And it was the title of the, the track is... In a well-known film starring Tom Hanks called Groundhog Day. Any of you guys seen that movie before? I actually don't think I have, you know, to be honest. I, I know the reference. And I, I know that obviously it referenced a, a, a film from a while ago, but I don't think I've ever actually sat down and watched it. I think it's one of those films I've seen in clips, you know. It is yeah. brilliant. It is one of my favourite films of all time. Yeah, it was one a few weeks ago. So yeah, for those that maybe are not familiar with the, the movie itself, Tom Hanks plays uh, a weatherman. And yeah, he basically keeps on repeating the same day. No matter what he does that day, he always wakes up in his bed and it's the same things that happen that, that day. So Eminem's trying to see that that's how how he was feeling at the time. Everything's the same. It's just, you know, everything's very repetitive. Uh, but yeah, a very good track from that, that side of the deluxe bonus disc. Uh, the track after that is, of course, Beautiful Pain. Uh, featuring Sia, and it's produced by Emil Haney and Eminem. Uh, this is the first collaboration by the pair. No, sorry, mate, I don't, I'm afraid. So, the yeah, this, is, this was the first collabor collaboration between the two of them. A year later or so, uh, they both featured on uh, Guts Over Fear, which was included in the Shady 15 compilation. Uh, at the time this track was released, Sia was mostly well known for her collaborations with David Guetta on songs such as Titanium and She-Wolf. Uh, she has since then made a, a huge name for herself with multiple chart-topping hits, including one of her most notable ones, Chandelier. 
Now, she did receive a lot of backlash from the LGBTQ community for collaborating with Eminem because of his, you know, sort of historic homophobic slurs and sentiments in mm. his early career. Um, she did get a lot of flack. She did respond in a similar way that Elton John did, where, as, you know, yeah, he said things back in the day, you know, he's apologised for them, uh, you know, everything's good to continue. So she did donate a large portion of the proceeds from the song uh, to the Los Angeles LGBT Centre. So the track after that, and the final one from the bonus disc, was Wicked Ways, which was produced by Alex the Kid once again and featured ex-ambassadors. Another question for you, Ross. Ex-ambassadors have also done another track with Eminem in recent times. Do you know what song it is? Oh, is this... Is it off Revival? It is. Is it, is it Bad Husband? You are correct, yep. So that was the, I thought so, yeah. that was the second time that they've, they've collaborated with, with each other. Uh, and yeah, it's a bonus track from the, the Deluxe Edition. And it is also the return of a certain somebody, Blake might know this, who returns towards the end of this track. Oh, no, I'm drawing a blank on that one. It's your favourite, Ken Kenneth. Oh, of course it is. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> so, so again, that that is the the return of Ken Kniff. The last time he was heard, um, that time was a relapse. So he makes a a, a big impact again by returning uh, on the Marshall Manners LP too. So yeah, that is the all the extra deluxe edition songs from the album. Uh, there was another one that was released. As well, it was Don't Front, which was featuring Buckshot and was produced by Catalyst. I don't know much info. Is it, am I right in saying this was also a Call of Duty Ghost extra? It was on a bonus track from Call of Duty Ghost, mm. but I'm not sure how long after the release of Call of Duty Ghost it actually came out. I know it wasn't a massive, you know gap in between, but I believe it was, yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't initially uh, included in any of the the albums at the start, but of course, you know, ten year anniversary they have released an extended edition which we'll we'll discuss with that about soon. Uh, and it did eventually make make streaming services. So yeah, that's us discussed all the tracks. I've got a couple questions uh, before we, we round up the show. Uh, Blake, it's been ten years on since this album. How do you feel it's aged? All in all, like I say, you you're always gonna have albums where there's a couple of skippable tracks like you know we've already discussed but as a whole, over ten years, I would say it's aged, you know, gloriously. You know, there's there's still tracks which I find myself listening today. You know, even like the the main songs like you know, Monster, Rap Gods, Legacy, Survival. You know, they've never really disappeared. They are they've definitely become one of those those tracks where you associate with like you know not as successful, but in terms of the real Slim Shade, like those types of tracks like. The actual album, you could argue now, is one of the classic albums, just because of how much replay value it's got, how well it, it realistically was produced. So for me, it, it it's aged incredible. Yeah, Ross, what about yourself? A, a modern day classic Eminem album? I I get what what Blake's saying as well, in the sense that like you know how you have the typical. Uh, yeah, I say like my name is Slim Shady. I think the the modern generation of people know that like. The you have like rap god, love the way you lie, the monster, all those are sort of starting to fall into that bracket, and I guess that's kind of why he did Curtain Call too, mm -hmm. because he did he did realize that he's got classics from sort of both eras now. So, but I, I think it's aged, yeah, it's aged quite well. I think there's there's some songs on there. I think obviously a lot of people use the argument that oh, Eminem just only raps fast, but yeah. that, that obviously just a tells you that you don't listen to anything else he puts out, and b at one point. You know, like rapping fast in rap music was considered popular. You know, how do you think like Tech Nine and Buster Rhymes and all that? You know, they were all doing exactly. it exactly. And I don't, yeah. I don't understand that. So, yeah, it, it maybe it hasn't aged as great. And when I do go back to it, but they they did that re, uh, the remix, didn't they, with that um, fan from Twitter? Um, I can't remember his 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 name now, but we've spoken to him a couple times. But he did a a different remix for for Rap God, and yeah, it sounded really good. I'm gonna put it out there. I hate it. I think it's absolutely awful. <laughs> I, I I don't understand why it was even put on there. Like I hate it with a vengeance, mate. But unreal. Like 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 some people like it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. Like it's just to me. I I think it sort of ruined it a little bit. But 
That's just my opinion of it. So. Yeah, I'm sort of the same. It was a little bit unnecessary just to put it on on the sort of cut and call to. Um, fair play to the guy. To be fair, you know, he'd done well and then Paul Rosenberg seen it and then obviously got in contact with him and put it on. But yeah, it was just, I suppose it was a fan-made production, so I suppose it is a little bit cool for him. But um, yeah, it's not, it's not something that I'm going to listen to, uh, to be honest. Uh, Ross, what is your view on album mm. sequels? Now, obviously, this is a sequel. Uh, a lot of people have been asking, oh, "Are we going to get a Marshall Mars LP three in the future?" What is your view on album sequels? I think so. This right, my, my stance on it is that I think when you put out either like a tracklist or you announce a title, especially a sequel to quite a prominent album in your discography, like either the Slim Shady LP or uh, you know, Marshall Mathers LP or even the Eminem show. Now, if you turned around and said, I'm going to do an Eminem show too, like now, I guarantee the majority of people would probably, like the fans would either like panic or be a bit like, why? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that the Marshall, like Marshall Mathers LP two was unnecessary, but like with obviously where he's at in his career now, you know, he's sort of changed his whole look around, you know, he's got the beard now, you know, grown his hair out a bit. No one's really, expecting Eminem to feel like he has to go back and dye his hair blonde again. Yeah. Like, I'm totally fine with him doing something completely different. But this is the problem, I think, when I had this discussion on Twitter with someone, or X as it's called now, um, my that it does set a false sort of expectation to the fan base. And I think, like you said, Marshall Mathers LP2 worked really well and it's aged really well into like probably a classic album. But if he did that now... You've also got to look at how much time is in between these albums. If he went and did like a Slim Shady LP two now, surely we'd be like, why? Mm, yeah, we don't need to hear that anymore. I'd honestly rather he tried to like tackle something like uh, maybe even Kamikaze again or Revival again. It, honestly, if he wants to do a political album, do a political album, but don't feel like you have to go back and rehash something from your past. Like, if people want to listen to your old music, they can go and listen to your old music. You don't need to put out something to cater to that. I think that um, Fred Reck didn't help things. I think last year mm-hmm. he posted a Instagram story of you know Eminem's old house in Dresden. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I can't remember what if he said anything, but he posted a picture. It wasn't any anniversary of any of the albums. So because he's done that, fans just, of course, start to speculate and then think, is there going to be a third sequel? So I think mm. he's got a little bit to answer for. I don't know the reason why why he did that, I don't know. Um, if there was maybe, I don't know, rumblings going on behind the scenes that there was a possibility that a, you know, a third instalment would happen. But mm. yeah, I think once he'd done that and then a lot of the Eminem fan pages got a hold of it and it started to gauge a little bit of traction and then he ended up coming out saying, like, oh, you guys are weird or you guys are blowing things out of proportion. I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. fair enough, but don't post it in the first place and then you won't get people talking about it, you know? So yeah, I'm I'm in the sort of stance where I don't really want any sequel. To be fair, I would just like him to just go yeah. down the routes that he's been doing for his last sort of three albums, uh, which have been really good as well, and you know different directions. So yeah, I'm I'm happy with. I I get it. I get why people want a sequel because you know, but when you first hear an album like that, which is considered one of the best hip hop albums ever created. People really want that feeling again. You know, it's it's almost like the best way I can describe it. It's almost like a drug. You know, like the reason people get addicted to drugs is because they want that first. They want that feeling of when they first did that drug. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I know that's a good example with Eminem, but you know, so people want that feeling of listening to the Slum Shady LP again. People want mm-hmm. that feeling of listening to the Martian Mavis LP again. You know, and I get it. It's just. You know, it's it's like it's like it's no different with films. If like, for example, if someone remade Back to the Future, don't get me wrong, people are going to enjoy watching it, but they're going to go, oh, it wasn't the same though, was it? Mm-hmm. Do you no. know what I mean? And it's like sequels are brilliant. You know, I'm I, I don't mind a sequel, but originality is where it's at for me in music. Exactly, yeah. be original. You know, music to music to be murdered by. It was a, it was original. Yeah, you know, exactly. Relapse at the time, you know, regardless now, you said I know people want to relapse too, but that's not going to happen to grow up. <laughs> but, but with relapse, you know, it was it was original. It was different. Recovery. It was original. It was different. It's the 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 only sequel to me which works, and unfortunately, it 
didn't work out as it should have done is the Eminem show and Encore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, if, to me, if you're going to do a sequel, that's how you do it. You know what I mean? Like, you have the Eminem show, and then obviously what comes after the show, there's usually an Encore. So to me, that makes sense. But the Marshall Brothers L2, LP2 was a nice little throwback. It was a nice little gamble. Let's yeah. put it out there. Give the fans something that they do want. While I'm going to make a couple of you know tracks which wouldn't have really been on the Marshall Mavers LP, the first one. So like I say, I I do get it. I get why people want it, but at the same time, I think you know the the reason why you know Drake became so good, the reason why Kendrick became so good is they didn't they didn't continue doing the same albums over and over again. Like this, mm. you could argue about the style. The style's always going to be the same in some sort of way, but yeah, you, you know they're they're original with everything they release. So to me, it needs to be an original idea, original album. Yeah, I think like like in more recent times, anyway. Like like Nas has done a series of albums recently, like King's Disease. He's had like one, two, and three of those, but he's worked with the same producer, Hit Boy, all the way through. So there's a consistent sound. Yeah, right. But if you go and do like a Slim Shady LP, which was recorded in the, like the very late '90s, how are you going to get that same sound when a you've he's aged, his voice is different. His flow is different. His knowledge is different. It like I understand wanting to go back and listen to something that sounds like what you know what got them interested and what got the world hooked on Eminem. But like I think personally, for me, nostalgia is enough for mm-hmm. that. I don't need to go back and pay for another version of that album or listen to another one. Like you said, like music to be murdered by was really original. It was different. He referenced. Uh, like Alfred Hitchcock went back to some of his old works from from movies and used that. It was really clever. It was unexpected as well. If you if he turns around and says I'm doing the Marshall Mathers LP3, that that was my main point as well when I was speaking on Twitter. Was I, I replied to a tweet that was like, Do we want to see the Marshall Mathers LP3? And it was like no. I don't need another sequel to this album. <laughs> There's no need for it. There's none. No, no, yeah, no more sequels, Mister Mathers. Please, thank you. Yes. Uh, so, guys, album ranking. So, uh, just a sort of mark out of ten uh, f- from your your own sort of personal opinion, Blake. What would you give it? Purely because of, like the tracks, which for me are skippable, I'm going to give it an eight. Like, and that, I mean, I am including the deluxe edition in that ranking, just because there's so many tracks which have become modern day classics and have incredible replay value. You know, if because of how, for me, how many skippable tracks there are, I would say it would be, for me, like an 8.5, 9 out of 10, but for me, the highest I can go with it is probably an 8. Ross, what about yourself? See, I'm, I'm with Blake, but I'll, I'd probably give it a 7, just off the basis that I think, again, stronger than I was, I don't, I will not go back to that. Like, <laughs> Same. <laughs> personally, there's a couple of songs on there that I won't go back to. The, the good thing about these albums when they come out is there's hype with them, Call it Survival was for Call of Duty. That game's now sort of gone and, and passed a little bit, and I can't not hear the song without sort of thinking of Call of Duty. But again, like you said, brainless, stronger than I was. For me, I know Blake said he really enjoyed so far. I don't really enjoy that song. That's a that's one I'd skip. You you don't like him and his Joe Walsh voice, nah? <laughs> no, I'm afraid not. No, it's just it just doesn't quite hit that spot for me. But yeah, I think I'd probably give it a seven. Um and I'm not saying it's a bad album, it's just, yeah, I think that the highs are high, but the lows are low. Yeah, I take it that. I would say the same, purely because, like, if we're going off the based album, for me, it is a seven, but the only reason I gave it A is mm. because of that deluxe edition as well. Yeah, I would go as far as saying there's some of them sort of stronger, you know, like, no offence to, to asshole and stronger than I was, those two are on, you know, the probably bottom of, of the favourite tracks on this album, but if it was to swap it, you know, if it was to swap Asshole with Beautiful Pain, and if it was to swap maybe Wicked Ways with Stronger Than I Was, I would maybe have seen the album a little bit different in terms of the standard edition. Mm. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of strong tracks, of course. Bad Guy, Part 1 and 2, really good. Legacy, you know, Legacy is one of my favourite tracks. Mm. It's just really yeah. it's phenomenal. Uh, Rap God, of course, The Monster. Uh, evil twin as well so yeah for me i'm going to give it a, yeah, a wee bit of cheating maybe 7.5 um, out of 10 mm. um, but yeah still still a very good album so you know no complaints from that perspective um yeah we've sort of briefed on uh, quite a lot of rap god um, but recently it has also entered uh, the one billion club on spotify so just recently it entered the sort of billion hall of fame as you would say over on spotify so it's currently sitting at 
1 billion and 5 million so very strong uh, for that the monster as Blake mentioned has also been released as a 7 inch vinyl uh, picture disc uh, I purchased that myself as well so I'm looking forward to getting that just before Christmas so yeah there's what's your views on the merchandise um, like sort of I don't mind the physical things like you know the, the kamikaze model plane uh, the ringer picture disc the monster picture disc I'm really good with them to be fair I know some of them are really nice but I'm not huge on the, the sort of clothing range what about yourselves I've bought a couple of things from the clothing range the, again and this is not going to affect anybody from the states but the only thing that puts me off is the shipping yeah it's scand- scandalous and it's 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 just it, yeah it's a bit outrageous but i understand obviously it's a expensive to make make things and b to ship them but if he had like a european warehouse where he could send it out and it could arrive in a couple of days as opposed to me waiting i think when i got when i ordered my kamikaze hoodie it said oh I, not until i had ordered it that it you know it had to be made first then sent over i was waiting a, a long time for that hoodie mm-hmm. but i do enjoy some of the designs that the halloween one with the zip up that goes all the way up like a hockey mask Quite cool. Kind of reminds me of some of like the CP CP jumpers and hoodies and stuff where they got like the goggles on the top. It kind of is sort of keeping up with, I guess, like the modern sort of trends in America. But I don't know if I'd rush to spend money to have it shipped to me. Yeah, I think I was looking just uh, the other week with the pasta sauce that has been released as well, mm. and I was like, right, okay, yeah. I'll see see how much it was, and it was like whatever it was, like sixteen dollars for a bottle. I'm like, right, okay, that's not too bad. Then you add it to your basket. Then you get to the shipping mm. stage of things, and the shipping was something like twenty five dollars. I'm like, so to actually Nuts. get it is dearer than what the actual sauce is. I'm like, they need to look at mm-hmm. that a little bit more. I think like he obviously has, I would say, the majority of his sales online probably off mistakes. But I agree with you know getting some sort of European distribution because yeah, some of the the shipping prices are pretty scandalous, and it does put a lot of people off. Um, I, when when mm. I was ordering the monster picture disc, it was like you know forty dollars for the picture disc and like twenty dollars to ship. And I'm like, so I ended up adding the ringer picture disc as well. And then for whatever reason, the shipping lowered as well. So that was how I sort of had to do that. But it is what it is for now. Uh, the extended edition, Blake. What is your view on extended editions? I've got quite a lot to say, and I need to maybe watch what I say. But what what is your view on them? Um, well. Where do I begin? I couldn't give a bollocks about instrumentals because, you know, people do that for me on YouTube. Literally, I I could go on now before this before this extended edition even drops. Search for an instrumental off the album, and lo and behold, it's already there. So, it 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 does bug me, but at the same time, you know, we've sort of come to expect it. So, I I, I don't know why I'm so surprised. Um. Again, when I heard he was releasing, you know, this extended version, I was like, oh, maybe there's going to be a couple of things we've not heard before. You know, like something to get people excited, considering it's been 10 years. And he's just literally making tracks available. I get people have been asking for, you know, a couple of tracks to be put on streaming services. But the issue is, I've I've already got it on disc. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've, I've already listened to it a hundred times and... Because I've got it on disc, I've already loaded it onto iTunes on my laptop and I've already put it onto my phone. So to me, that's not an issue. So I, I wouldn't say I'm disappointed, but I'm also going to say I'm not surprised by it. Like I say, it's just I don't get the whole concept of putting instrumentals down. It's not even like he, you know, hosts a contest where, you know, he'll release the instrumental and people can rap over it and they can win a prize or whatever like that. It's, I, I, I don't know. To me, it's just... It's bonkers. It's pointless, like, in my honest opinion. Uh, I, I can understand, you know, uh, don't front, don't front being put on streaming, and then with the the Eminem show, uh, was it stimulate as well? I can totally understand that. Right, that's fair enough. But like the instrumentals is it's just, in my opinion, absolutely pointless. As you says, you can get them on YouTube. It's you know people can get a hold of them mm. very easily. I just don't see the need for them, and. You know, please, please, Encore's turning, I think it's 20 next year. Please, no more extended editions. We've had enough. We, I don't want to hear Ass Like That on Instrumental. I've got that. You know, like, he released the, the picture disc for Ass Like That many years ago and he's got the instrumental on like the B-side of it. So, like, I don't need to hear. Mm-hmm. We've, we've already heard it. If you've, unless you've got something that's been in that vault since, like, 2004 
then I am there for it all day long. But if it's just going to be, you know, a disc full of 14 instrumentals, what's the point? I'd rather not. See, I'm going to be a little bit controversial here in the sense that you know how you guys are saying that you don't necessarily want the instrumentals because they, they release on YouTube. Well, it's kind of obvious that the only reason he's releasing the instrumentals is so people stop profiting off them and stop making money, mm-hmm. which I, I do understand that it's been an issue and that he's spoken about a few times is people plagi- like obviously taking stuff and like downloading it illegally or posting it and recreating it. It's just another way for him to make money, but I do think it's not something a lot of artists will do. Nah. Is release instrumentals to their fans? Not many have, and they shouldn't. No, no. and I think, like you, like you said, like like Blake was saying, if you're going to do the extended edition, give us something more than than don't front. But if there isn't anything, he shouldn't do it. Oh, exactly. Yeah, but I do understand he's trying to counter people profiting off his instrumentals and stuff that get posted. It's another way for, and also as well, if he turned around in a tweet and said, "Got something coming soon." Here's something like the meantime, like he did with the campaign speech. I didn't care for the campaign speech, didn't like it, didn't enjoy it, but I was just like, oh, okay, sick. Reassurance, he's doing something. Mm-hmm. Reassurance, music's coming. But this is just like, I almost feel like he's not in the room when these are decided, when these, when the decision to release these is made. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think, yeah, it's a, would be surprised if he's, I mean, obviously he will know that it's happened, but I, well, I don't yeah. think it was his idea to begin with. No. no. Um, right, so finally, um, we'd done a vote on our Twitter page, or X as you call it these days. Uh, we did ask the fan base what their favourite of the singles was, and with 42% Rap God uh, was a winner on that. Uh, we also asked the favourite song from the Deluxe Edition, and it was a tie between Beautiful Pain and Wicked Ways. And finally, we did ask them, uh, which is like a third instalment of the Marshall Manners LP free. And yeah, 67% did say yes, with 33% saying no. But yeah, please, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not up for a, another trilogy or another free LP no. free. So um, please, yeah, hopefully, hopefully not. Uh, right, so once again, thanks to everyone that has listened to the show. As I said, it's 10 years since the Marshall Manners LP2 dropped. Uh, if you can. Do your usual, and if you like the show, you can subscribe on Twitter, on all our social networks. We're also available on all good streaming platforms as well. So thanks for everyone for listening. Thanks to Blake and Ross for joining me, and we shall see you in a couple of weeks.